This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Friday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. Sandy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer here. No producer Chris today. I'll be back next week. Don't worry. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. We have... I wasn't that worried. Uh, you weren't that record. worried? Really? No, yeah. I kind of figured. Yeah, yeah, you know he does this. Sometimes he's just too good for us for a while, and then he comes back. Wow. He always comes back. Wow. I'm just saying. Man, shots fired out of the gate to producer Chris? Yeah. Not in here? That's... You- that's my style when he's absent. You know that. I, I suppose that that does track. Well, we will get to uh, plenty of football for the weekend, uh, especially Mizzou, Florida, as we uh, talk that here in just uh, at, at 5.05, I should say. But in a few minutes, we have to talk about last night, Dennis Gates again pulls <laughs> a Houdini act. Oh, boy. And the Tigers escape with a road win. That, oh man, nobody expected them to get uh, midway through the second half. So uh, we're talking about that in a few minutes. We'll also talk with Rob Vino of wagertalk.com for sports from a Vegas perspective uh, to get us set for the weekend of college football and NFL. We've got the moment of the week from producer Chris, even though he's not here. He still has a moment of the week at 525. Magic. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Magical. Just like just like Mizzou men's basketball last night. Magical. Uh, as it happens. And then uh, picks of the week time will be 545. I'll try to make it two weeks in a row at the top. We'll see. This whole producer Chris thing, I will say it's been nice for me to, you know, make him take the scraps from what we pick, and then he doesn't have as many great selections left, so maybe that's helped us. It definitely helped us last week. It worked last week. It definitely did. He didn't have a great week. I had a plus week, but on the virtue of your... uh... You had the push, right? The one that you said you didn't want to have that yeah. allowed you to win the week instead of a loss. So uh, good on you. But, hey, we both did okay, and maybe it'll continue to track in that direction. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us to chime in on anything from uh, from the world of sports today. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big How about Mizzou men's basketball last night? They were down 20 at Minnesota with 11 minutes and change to go in the second half. And then they storm back and get a victory. They go on a 31-9 run to close the game. Sean East with a big bucket late with less than 10 seconds to go. He puts in uh, a layup plus the foul. And uh, he gives the team a 70 to 68 victory against Minnesota as Mizzou improves to three and one on the season. Nick Honor was big, trying to spark the Tigers back into contention in that game. He had 16 points on the night 
on 6 of 12 shooting. He hit four three-pointers. The freshman showed up, Anthony Robinson, Trent Pierce, and Jordan Butler. So was Kurt Lewis, the Juco transfer. He played some big minutes down the stretch. Mizzou all in all with a come-from-behind win for the ages. And that's the Big Show's big deal on the 17th day of November 2023. 875-KTGR to call or text us. I mean, it was was over with yeah. 11 minutes left. It felt that way. Yeah. Like, at that point, Caleb Grill had just gotten ejected from the game. and you know, The spark plug, were, evidently. <laughs> I guess so. That's how Dennis that's Gates how Dennis characterized Gates described it. it. Right? <laughs> He sure did, yeah. At the very end, he was like, look, we don't win that game if Caleb Grill doesn't get ejected. Maybe so, but, I mean, it... What does that mean? It means you're playing so bad that we needed you off the court? What does that mean? What? Some sort no, of... I'm no, I'm no. I mean, it wasn't, great. it wasn't great for him, and he's tried to get it out from under a shooting slump to start the year, but we'll, we'll see what Caleb Grill does. But all in all, like, it, you talk about a team getting absolutely behind this Minnesota squad. And I mean, uh, I give some credit to Minnesota early because they, they shot the lights out early. Like they were, they put the, uh, they put the pedal to the metal right from the jump. First five minutes, they got to 16 points. You don't see that very often. I think they hit their first five or six field goals. Tough to keep up at the start, but I mean, the zoo. I don't know. By the way, that you out. don't see that very often. Do I don't mean? know that you. I don't know if I agree. Mizzou sees that all the time. That happens all the time to Mizzou, where teams just for whatever reason they come out of the gate fire, and you're like, "What kind of game is this going to be?" I don't know. It seems disproportionately to, that that happens to Mizzou, where teams just like I go mean, crazy shooting the balls. I, I'll say this: the it, it tracked like a game that was certainly going to go over in those first five minutes. Mizzou had. You know, hit a few threes during that same stretch. But, I mean, Minnesota, again, it was like their first six or seven shots that they made, and five of them were threes. And it's like, oh, what's happening? Uh, because, you know, you, you, you're playing a team that has a lot of size, maybe wants to get the ball down low to their big 6'11 guy, Dawson Garcia, who had a pretty good game last night, but Mizzou neutralized him down the stretch. I mean, it was it was the perfect recipe for Mizzou getting blown out for the first however many minutes, 29 minutes or so. Like they were getting out, yeah, of it, pretty much. It was blistered on the boards right and not getting enough threes up. Uh, I mean, just looked out of whack. And then Nick Honor started cooking. Like hits a three, gets a layup, hits another three, gets another layup, goes on a ten zero run by himself basically, and then Mizzou's right back in it. Then they handed it off to like the young guys. Like Anthony Robinson. And Trent Pierce had a big three de- during that stretch when Mizzou was starting to build it up. Kurt Lewis, the, the Juco guy from, from John A. Logan. He's this year's Sean East, basically, from last year. I mean, it, he starts playing minutes, uh, meaningful minutes towards the end of the game without like actually playing all that much through the first three. Something like that. We're seeing all kinds of different rotations now from Dennis Gates. Maybe he's just trying things, and, and it just keeps working, and so you, you leave the guys out there. But whatever it was, the, the combination and the buttons pushed by Dennis Gates after the Caleb Grill ejection were masterful in my mind. I think you almost do get into a spot where you're down 20, and it's like clearly what we're doing is not 
really working. So why not let the younger players have an opportunity? And, like, there is a world in which this kind of turns into more of a developmental year for Mizzou. It's kind of what everybody was thinking in the first half last night probably. It's like, all right, this is this is maybe, you know, a game that you probably should win. I know it's a road game. It's hard to win on the road in college basketball. But if you look at what the preseason expectations were for Minnesota, I mean, they're toward the bottom, maybe the very bottom of the, the preseason polling when it comes to the Big Ten Conference. I know it's a great basketball conference. But, like, of all the Big Ten teams that you could go to their place and maybe grab a win, this was probably one that you thought you could do that with. And when it wasn't tracking in that direction, I think Mizzou fans were going, all right, maybe let, let some of the younger guys play and see if we can get some development going here. Well, I, I think you're going to see maybe more of those young guys, the freshmen in particular, kind of get in the mix with frequency as we go along here because that that was a group that helped spark things. I think you could have a very interesting dynamic, Andy, between, like, Nick Honor – who is tried and true, proven, you know you can trust him with the ball. Sean East, who is turning into a guy, like last year I would not have described him that way, as somebody that you trust and you feel like is going to be able to to do the right thing and the smart play when you need him to. He's making those plays, but he's electric with the ball in his hands as well. So the fact that he's able to make plays and he's kind of becoming a little bit more consistent, we hope to see. He makes free throws, which I love. Have those two guys as the, the guards that can kind of pace this thing and then you can start to mix and match some of those other guys and find the the mix and the rotations that that work for you. Like I don't know if Caleb Grill is going to be the guy that gets as many minutes as he has, Andy, or if he's just going to be maybe a non-scorer that plays a lot of minutes but does a lot of other things to fill the stat sheet. But they're going to start to find those guys that that mix in in a really effective way. But I think if you're talking about scoring specifically, yeah, I like some of those freshmen. That, Anthony Robinson, I like some of these younger guys to potentially have a little bit more scoring cachet than maybe some of the transfers that we we didn't really know what they would present, but maybe they might have another role rather than than it being a scoring-based one. And if you need a bucket or two or ten, if you're down by 20 points, yeah. you let some of these other guys have a chance, and it worked out last night. 875-KTGR, give us your thoughts from the uh, wild Mizzou win yesterday, the wild comeback they made, down 20 with 11 minutes to go at Minnesota. And they come back to win. James texting in. With 10 minutes to go, I noticed Minnesota was out of gas. And look, I do think Minnesota did their part with this. They turned it over quite a few times during that last 10-minute stretch in the second half. Mizzou got some live ball turnovers, and it looked a little bit more like last year where they're getting out in transition. They're taking advantage of some of that. So that did help quite a bit. But, I mean, we, we also saw just the... The rebounding effort get a little bit better for Mizzou during that stretch. It was it was terrible through the first thirty oh, minutes. They, like, they still got out rebounded yeah. by a ton in the oh, game. Yeah. I mean it wasn't close. Right. But but I mean whatever. Especially but. on the defensive glass, they started to lock down a lot more. And I can't stand it though when they don't. When they no, are no, just I allowing it's just it's, it, it's like they're not even really there they're not really jumping for the ball they're not really going after it which with much tenacity like again we've we've harped on hey sometimes there's going to be a rebounding deficit for this team because of the way they want to get out and transition the way they want to play they want to they want to cherry pick a little bit they want to you know it's not always about crashing the boards but when you're when you're on defense don't assume that the basket's made i feel like sometimes missouri does that where it says uh, it's like hey we might give up a bucket here but we're going to score within the next eight seconds so it doesn't matter there is a way to prevent that bucket, and sometimes it just feels like they're not doing that on the defensive glass. You could go three, four offensive rebounds in a row, and eventually it's just like, all right, they're 
guy's going to score eventually, so why why even bother? I wish they wouldn't wouldn't have that mentality, but we're happy today, Andy. We're happy that they found a way, despite some of those deficits, to come back and win Whoa. this game. We said, don't do it. Don't go down 10 like you did at Wichita State. At Wichita. They said, they said, all right, bet. bet. We'll go down 20. <laughs> I mean, bet. that happened. We literally said on the show yesterday, don't go down 10 with five minutes to go like at Wichita last year. And they 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 did it don't anyway. Don't go down ten ever. Worse. Honestly, like, uh, yeah, but they went, do down 20, they went down 20, twenty. And they said we could still come back. So quit doubting us. All right, fine, fine. I'm in. I'm buying in. I'm skeptically buying in, but it you know it, it is fun to have a well, game go yeah. like that one did. And, and again, you just you don't even spend a single second in Minnesota if you can help it. Once that buzzer sounds, you just get the heck out. You take your victory. You do not spend any more time there. You just get right back to your own gym and be like, okay, we we got a road win. That's that's all that we matters. Got, right, right? We got what we needed. Uh, yeah. We got what we came Look, for. They, they looked pretty bad against a team that's not all. I mean, yes, it's a Big Ten team, but it's not one of the best Big Ten teams uh, in, no, in the conference. No, it's one of the worst. It may yeah, be the worst. Uh, we can be, be honest. Um you should look better against a team like that most times. Shouldn't get down 20 hope. against that team. But guess what? There's only one Ken Palm team outside the top 100 in the Big Ten. I bet uh, you can guess who it is. Minnesota. And yeah, probably so. still there. And probably from their perspective thinking, what the heck happened? Well, in fairness, I think they dropped outside the top 100 because of what happened last night. But they were oh, yeah. in the like the 80s okay. or 90s yeah. before the game. And still, though, just, man. The, the fact that Mizzou... Uh, turned themselves around in that short of time and players that that look again they're trying to crack that rotation there are 13 different players that played last night and i mean it's just you know how i think we'll see the next few games play out even against some of these uh tougher opponents in non-con yeah but you better play it that way against the easy opponents in non-con like don't don't shorten the rotation in those games. Try to learn as much as you can in those games because yeah. I thought it was kind of weird that you had the, the the first game of the season. It didn't even feel like they went as deep into the bench as they could have. This is another their next game coming up. One where I feel like they're going to be able to. You're supposed to be able to win it pretty handily. Play everybody. Play them all and like play the younger guys more than just the handful of minutes that I feel like you were seeing in the early going. Because you got to learn about these guys. And I know you want to try to prioritize the transfers, too, because last year that was a really good strategy. Andy, my impression is the transfer class in general, not quite as strong in terms of being top-heavy as last year's group because you had a couple of really core difference makers from last year's group that, that Mizzou couldn't have done what they did without those guys. I don't know if that's the case this year. They, you might find one or two of those that, that emerges to become that guy. But for right now, I think you've got just a bunch of solid guys that you brought in via transfer. But there might be better upside with some of the younger players and some of the freshmen, which makes it really interesting. And I stand by what I said like a week ago, where I think the depth of this roster is probably, there's probably more than more names that you feel like you can play than you maybe felt like last year, even at the beginning. And then they really whittled that rotation down. This year, it's going to be a little bit tougher because I think you're going to be balancing the upside of some of the freshmen who have growth potential to be really good. And then the transfers of, like, you brought them in for a reason and you think they can help you just like last year's transfers. How is Dennis going to manage those lineups to get the most out of his team? It's going to be interesting to see. It's hard to do, right? It's hard to whittle that down because 
all those guys bring a little bit something different, and we haven't seen a a roster this big for Mizzou men's basketball in quite a while. Yeah, I just yeah, everybody's got uh, chances to uh, to contribute here. Eight seven five KTGR, give us a call or a text. What do you think of the uh, win last night for uh, for Mizzou men's basketball? Let's go to Daniel's text here. Eight seven five KTGR. He said I was discouraged the whole game, but I had. That Wichita State game in the back of my head from last year all night long, knowing I've seen Gates do this before in his first year. He can do it again. And man, did he do it again. Confidence-building game for these freshmen. Is it too early to say that was a season-changing game? Um, Hmm. I mean, it definitely galvanizes you a little bit more. That's kind of a lot of the the buzzwords that you heard from the post-game press conference last night from Gates and and Nick Honor, like galvanizing, does it does it help everybody bond a little bit more? Does it know like, hey, when things get tough, look, we can still climb back into these contests? I think so. It, it's hard to keep that up for as long of a season that this is, though. I mean, it's we're talking about football, and it's over in a flash. Like, you play 12 games, and you're done. This is 30. Like, I know it takes about the same amount of time, but to go through that, grueling schedule for three, four more months could be uh, pretty difficult. But look, it gives you a boost for what we talked about this whole time. Like they're challenging themselves in this non-con to try and get some more quality wins to help them out down the road when they're trying to build their NCAA tournament resume. Boy, does it help to have a feather in your cap like this when you go up against uh, some more of those teams that might give you that adversity, like Kansas, like Illinois, like at Pitt. Like it, these are going to be games that, I mean, this informs a little bit of what your team can do in some of these spots. Yeah. And again, I don't think this is a great resume builder because this is probably the worst team in the Big Ten. It's better than just any other random game you could have played at home. Better, yeah, to yeah, go on, that, to sure. go on the road and do it, it, it informs yourself about yourself. Like, okay. We know we can do it. It may not, the the net rankings may not love you for this game. It might just be like a fine, okay, good, you got a road win against a team you're supposed to beat. But just to get that one under them and go, hey, this is what it feels like. This is this is what we're able to do. I think that's what's really important about this. And does it change the season? Yeah, I don't know. It, it staves off what I think would have been a really deflating viewpoint of the season had they had the last 11 minutes gone like the first 29, you're talking about a 15-point loss to the worst team in the Big Ten, and we're quickly on the show today talking about how, okay, this isn't going to be their year. It's going to be a developmental time, and I don't think that would have been premature. But to show in the first time, again, they got punched in the mouth against Memphis. They played some of the worst basketball that I have seen from Mizzou, and I'm counting it all. I'm counting the Kim Anderson years. I'm counting it all. That those 20 minutes against Memphis were really, really concerning. They come back in their next quasi-test, because you're not counting SIUE. They come back, and on the road, when they're punched in the mouth, they punch back. That is what I needed to see. Was it great? Was it a great result? On No, nah, I mean, not really. I think you pushed on the final closing spread. Like, it was. you were supposed to win by a couple. You won by a couple. You got it done, though. And that can inform what might happen the next time you get punched in the mouth. Like, those days waiting for that Minnesota game to happen, Andy, just going eh, against good teams. Mizzou is, well, we've got one data point, and it's what happened against Memphis. And I hated what happened against Memphis. To have another data point 
at least gives you a little bit of hope to go, all right, they're going to be able to figure this out. And at least whether they make the tournament or not, they're going to, they're going to play competitive basketball. That's what I'm hoping after seeing the, the ending of last night's game. If you hadn't gotten that ending, I don't know that I would, I would even have that much hope as to the way it could go, but they showed, and they've got some anchors. We know that Nick Honor and Sean East are going to be the anchors. Noah Carter, those guys played 30 plus minutes. Nobody else really played very many minutes at all. Dennis Gates is trying to find those other two guys that are going to play because maybe it never happens, but I think you're a better basketball team if you can get a, a fourth guy that's going to be on the floor for a, a more than you know 11 minutes or whatever. Like some of these guys are just kind of mixing in. You know the three anchors. Who else are you going to be able to bring along to really be significant on this team? 875-KTGR, call or text us with your thoughts on Mizzou men's basketball. James texting in. What do you guys think of Caleb Grill? Where do you think that Caleb Grill goes from here? Seems to really be struggling early on. His frustration boiled over last night. Sometimes just shooting. Like, goes in sometimes, sometimes doesn't. Um, I don't expect it to continue for all that much longer. I mean... There could be times this year where Caleb Grills throwing it in 40% from three. Who knows? There could be stretches like that. Every, I think every shooter, every good shooter goes through this, right? So I, I, think, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah. a little too early to panic on that, but sure. It's something to address, for uh, no doubt, but not panic mode over a guy that's still trying to find a shot uh, in, a, in a new scene, just trying to break in, things like that. He was a 36% three-point shooter last year with Iowa State, and he played a ton. Like, he played 31 minutes per game for a you know, Big 12 program when he played. So I'm not sure what it's going to end up looking like. I would, like, off the top of India, I'd say, well, he played 17 minutes last night. He probably would have played, you know, closer to 24 or 25 had he not been ejected. I think he won't maybe play as many minutes necessarily, but I don't think you're you're taking him way down in the rotation. I think clearly he's one of the transfers that Gates wants to wants to have be that kind of fourth guy that's out there a lot. But yeah, you know, you just want to see the shots start falling. He well, he plays with the tenacity that I appreciate. Yeah. You just, you know, if you're a three-point shooter, he is eventually going to have and to start making those. Though- even though he got ejected and only played 17 minutes, still led the team in assists with four. So, I mean, he's yeah, doing he, good things he on contributes, the floor anyway. He's tenacious. He contributes in other ways. Um, he'll rebound the ball for you, you know, from from kind of that forward quasi-guard spot. Yeah. That's that's another good thing to have. I just wonder, though, the extent to which we saw a glimpse of some of the young players last night, some of the freshmen, where it's like, are those guys going to mix in more and at whose expense does it come? I'm not saying it's coming at Caleb Grill's expense just yet, but if later in the year he's not shooting, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him be more of a 12-minute guy than a 30-minute guy. But I, I think somewhere in between and, and on the higher end of that is what it'll end up being if the shot turns around for him. So, look, uh, a lot of concerns still from maybe last night's game, but the fact is Mizzou got that dub some way, somehow, and that's all that's going to uh, matter towards the end when you're piecing together how this Mizzou team did uh, all in all. So give us your thoughts, 875-KTGR, as Mizzou men's basketball makes a big-time comeback last night against Minnesota. We'll keep talking about that. But up next, we'll get the Vegas perspective from Rob Vino of wagertalk.com when it comes to the slate of college football and NFL this weekend. 
get you set for uh, maybe your jurisdiction of legality if you want to place a friendly wager. Rob Bino joins us next here on The Big Show, KTGR. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Oh, man, that was a big win from Mizzou men's basketball last night. You can call or text us about that at 875-KTGR. Coming down from a 20-point deficit all the way up to a two-point win at Minnesota. Uh, finishing the game on a 31-9 to run. Keep getting your thoughts in on that at 875-KTGR. But we want to turn to football here, especially college and NFL, as we get set for the weekend, especially the Vegas perspective. And here to join us for that is Rob Vino, a good friend over at wagertalk.com. You can find him at Rob Vino Sports and go to wagertalk to go and see all their great betting advice. Robbie, what's up? Oh, it's another Friday afternoon, Andy. Lots of college football. College basketball, actually, on the East Coast, tipped off early this morning. All the, excuse me, all the holiday tournaments that are going on right now. So, um, yeah, everything's overlapping right now. It's a busy, busy time, but it's a fun time as well. Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, I kind of want to start a little bit, you know, uh, last night uh, with the the game between the Bengals and Ravens. And I... This might not be your your side of things because I know uh, the, the sports books they kind of make their own decisions. But I mean, with you know the news coming out that the NFL is again investigating into whether or not a team was withholding injury information, and uh, particularly with Joe Burrow, we now learned is is out for the season with that injury that he, uh, I guess, suffered in that game, but may have also been dealing with beforehand a little bit. I just wonder kind of your thoughts, because I know sports books have to make some decisions on whether or not bets need to hold up based off of what we knew and what we didn't know about certain guys' statuses. But I wonder now that we've seen a couple of cases in this in the NFL, how you maybe uh, think about it from your perspective, Robbie. Well, and I have to say, Andy, that last night's example is really one of the clearest. Um, because generally speaking, it takes an awful lot for odds makers to take a number from um, a favorite being minus two and a half to get it to three and then to cross it over to three and a half takes an awful lot of money. And the, the reason why this one is, is really bothersome is because only a handful of people could have had any insight into what was going on there and to push that number that hard through that three shows odds makers had no idea what was going on. If you just examine the game, handicap, analyze the way I do, you have no idea what's going on. Cincinnati's keeping everything secret. And it does lend itself to, you know, um, getting burned if you're an odds maker. So we'll see. I mean, the NBA is still the worst with this stuff. Um, But that type of thing that happened last night, I mean, Joe Burrow's a big deal. I don't know how much... Um, you watch enough football, how much you think Joe Burrow's worth in a game, but certainly his, when you start um, taking him out and putting Jake Browning in, that's probably, you know, six and a half, seven points right there. So uh, it, it's definitely something that's got to be looked at for sure. Yeah, Robbie, I thought Burrow was worth quite a bit last night and did not enjoy myself after he left the game. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. There's a couple of games I want to ask you about this week because I always like asking about totals. There's a couple game totals that I've seen creep up throughout the week in the NFL, and I still think I kind of like the overside on both of them. I want to get your take. 
the potentially really exciting quarterback matchup between Kyler Murray and C.J. Stroud. Cardinals-Texans feels like one of those games. Numbers gone up to about 48. Similar story for the game in Detroit between the Bears and Lions going up a couple of points throughout the week. In a dome, maybe with Justin Fields back, the Bears offense is able to help out with that number. What are your uh, thoughts, I guess, on both of those games and the totals in particular? Yeah, and each of them put you on a rough number. You know, you'd like that 48 available to cash because there's just so many combinations, 27-21, a 38-10, 28-20, a lot of combinations for 48. So at 47 and a half, certainly you're more apt. And the Chicago-Detroit game, like you say, that started at 45 and on the news of fields it went up three points. So I guess you got have to ask yourself, is Justin Fields worth that much? Is he that much different than what Chicago can score offensively? The other game to me, a little more intriguing because D'Amico Ryans, um, for what it's worth, has instilled some defensive capability into the Texans, yet when these final scores roll in, they don't really show it. Uh, I wonder if the defense isn't on the field a little too much because C.J. Stroud strikes in chunks with that pass offense. So Murray back with one game under his belt. If you had to ask me which of those two I'd prefer to play over, I'd probably prefer the Arizona-Houston side or the Arizona-Houston game. Simply, it's not a divisional game. It's a non-conference game, and the other one is inside the division, and sometimes those tend to bog down. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com, sports from a Vegas perspective here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. I also wonder about some of those bigger numbers that we maybe see this week on on the point spread. San Francisco, huge favorites uh, over Tampa Bay. The Dolphins, uh, as as they get set to take on the Raiders, they're almost two touchdown favorites. I mean, we're we're starting to see a little more of those lopsided numbers a little bit as we learn a little more about these teams and and those matchups pop up on the schedule. But I wonder which one maybe more likely uh, to to cover a big number like that, which we don't see often in the NFL. Yeah, I think, well, I'll start with the one that might be less likely to cover, Andy, and I think that would be San Francisco. And again, when you see these numbers, basically it's telling you, right, one side's going to win the game. So what I always do is I look to see what's coming next. And for the 49ers, what follows this Tampa Bay game is a short work week and a Thursday nighter with in-division Seattle. So, you know, you're, you're laying 12 and you get into the fourth quarter and maybe you have that 17 point lead. And all of a sudden San Francisco decides, you know what, we don't want to risk anybody here, or we're just going to pound the football or something. And it always leaves the back door open for that underdog team. So I don't like the situation for San Francisco being that it will be a short work week and a divisional rival on deck. If I were to take points with either of those large dogs it would probably be tampa i'm not saying i love it but i'm saying the nfl is so situational that sometimes you just have to hold your nose and do what your eyes don't tell you and a lot of times it'll cash (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so we'll see what what happens in in those two games and then uh also robbie while we get a chance we'll ask you about the the monday night game between the eagles and chiefs uh, looking to be the the game of the week uh in prime time and Kansas City, uh, pretty much two and a half point favorite. Not much of a surprise there, but I-, I wonder if maybe this is a game where 
we see both of these defenses prevail a little bit. We've seen the total come down, of course. Last year's Super Bowl was obviously well over whatever total that was with them uh, combining for more than 70. But we just, again, it seems to be a different year. Scoring's down, and, and I think both of these defenses certainly have proved their mettle this year uh, on both sides. Are, are you maybe expecting something a little bit less scoring in this version of Eagles Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been the prevailing thought all week long, um, really, no matter where you turn. And your point's valid, Andy. I mean, it, it doesn't have the feel of a 70-plus point game like the Super Bowl did. I mean, going into that game, you had the feeling that both of those offenses were going to be able to do, even though Patrick Mahomes was injured at the time, um, you had a feeling that the offenses, especially Philadelphia's, was going to be able to click here. Not so much. I think a couple of things that, well, of course, the Andy Reid off a of bye deal is where side is concerned is almost automatic but where the eagles are concerned i'll tell you back here they're really worried about philadelphia's running back situation and running attack they have no real affection for deandre swift at this point in time um whether or not it's the offensive line that's not living up to expectations or whether it's deandre swift running East-West too much rather than North-South. You know, the Eagles don't really have a, um, you know, like a between-the-tackles type runner. Kenneth Gainwell doesn't do it either. And, you know, the knock on Swift here is that if he's not running the ball effectively, he's not an effective receiver either. So, really, you don't have anything uh, where at least last year with Miles Sanders you had a receiver. So, Philadelphia is going to try and get a little running game established. I don't know that they can do it against KC. And I would say the other problem with the Eagles in this game is the secondary still isn't right. I know Kansas City's passing game, you know, they're missing that home run threat. Um, but I think if they're ever going to get right, you had the bye week to prepare, which we know Andy Reid's good at, and you have a secondary that's just not up to par right now. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes and company don't have a better passing day, a better offensively productive day than what we've seen on them so far this year. All that being said, that just leads me to playing the Chiefs rather than the total. I think the Chiefs are the right side here. You're home laying under a field goal. Um, I think that's probably the right side. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right, uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, Mizzou, Florida here uh, now with Mizzou finally getting that respect a little bit more after uh, really the the blowout win they got against Tennessee the week before. Now they're eleven point favorites against Florida. Uh, I, I wonder if this is a little scary though, Robbie, because I mean, look, Florida while so hot and cold this year, I think one thing that we know about this team is that if you let them get some points and and, and gather them up, that they can be a pretty high scoring team at times. What's maybe the danger with with a game like this uh, from Mizzou fans? Yeah, and I think if you add into that, Florida's playing for bowl eligibility. It's a five and five team that wants to go to a bowl game for Billy Napier, so you're going to get their best effort. And maybe Mizzou is, you know, you, you could somewhat apply a letdown theory here as well off of the big win against Tennessee. So if you're betting the game itself. I think you probably start at Florida and try and talk yourself off of it if you can. I don't think you start with Missouri in this situation. But I kind of think even better to a point that you made, Andy, that this total to me has gone in the wrong direction. Started 59, down to 57 and a half. We learned this week that Teron Hopper 
is out of the game for Mizzou and the linebacking core now a little bit <laughs> a little bit depth shy and somewhat rudderless where leaders are concerned in the linebacking core. One thing that Florida has done well um, that you said Graham Mertz in that passing game has been really good. They rank 28th in the country and they have put up points as of late last four games, 34 per for the Florida Gators, but they do bring that defense with them too. And I think Brady cook and company, that offense is probably just way too powerful for Florida to stop. Florida has given up between 39 and 52 in their last four games. And they've given up an average of 531 total yards per game last four weeks. That's not good when you're facing, uh, you know, Cody Schrader and the wide receiving core that Mizzou has. So I don't know. Look for a shootout, Andy. I think you're going to see over 60 points here, and this number is only 57 and a half. Yeah, we we shall see coming up uh, tomorrow night at Faroe Field. All right, Robbie, what's the, the free pick that you really like this week? Well, how about if we just go to tonight? Um, and tonight, college football, it's, it's in that winding down stage where everybody's looking for um, a bowl bid. South Florida is one of those teams in that situation. The second fastest tempo offense in the country. First-year head coach Alex Golish, of course, he coached under Josh Heupel at UCF in Tennessee. That's why South Florida plays the way they play now. But I could see points on top of points here. UTSA has been on a 6-0 and run ever since their bye week. Uh, 6-0 and straight up, 4-1-1 against the spread. Scoring almost 40 per game now that Frank Harris, their quarterback, is healthy. And when you play South Florida, you're going to get more than enough opportunities, possessions, plays, chances to score. It's a bad defensive team. Um, I think five of their last seven, Andy, have totaled 70 or more points. Tonight we're looking at 66, which is close to that number, 66 and a half, but I still think it's feasible. So I'm going to take South Florida UTSA up and over 66 and a half for those who want to watch college football tonight. There you go. Why not? College football Friday night, it's never, it's never a bad thing. So uh, <laughs> thanks again, uh, Rob Vino, uh, wagertalk.com, sports from Vegas perspective, on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports, and go to wagertalk to read their great stuff. Thanks again, Robbie, uh, for coming on as always. Hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. It is 443 here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Man, UTSA, I, it seems they just put up the points all the time. Fun team. Yeah, I also think I think parlay that with UTSA on the spread, and and you might have a fun night. Like, okay, they've been they've been dominant. And South Florida's defense, as Rob mentioned, is not is a not good. So we'll see on that one. And by the way, too, at the Alamo Dome, UTSA has just like dominated recently. Oh yeah, so, so they uh, should they should put up points tonight. There you go, find a river. As Rob told you, 875-KTGR. Find a river, baby. Find a river. Uh, under the bus next uh, to uh, last night, what we uh, all of a sudden learned, I guess, about Joe Burrow uh, and the Bengals maybe hiding something, and then more fallout from the uh, Michigan sign-stealing scandal. That's all next after this live local sports center here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Going under the bus in a bit, and we have the sweetest thing in sports coming up, too. You can... Text in who you got, Mizzou or Florida. Tell us at 875-KTGR, and we'll talk about that at 505. Plus the moment of the week at 525 and our picks of the week coming up at 545 as we go 
head to head to head, although producer Chris not here today. So is it just head to head, at least for now? And then Chris can hop in whenever he wants, I suppose, with picks no, of the week. I, he already gave me his picks. I'm going to tweet him out at KTGR Big Show in Whoa. a little while. Um, How did he do he's, that? Uh, he's a madman. How Tell did he do what. that? He can't. We, he have said to pick, he... we have to pick first. Well, I know, but he said he's gonna. He said he's going to attack me physically if I don't let him pick Oregon State. So we're gonna have to Whoa. stay away from the Beavers. Whoa. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh gosh, that, that was his only demand. I did not and know that I'm, he had that much authority. Well, I don't know that he does, but I'm kind of afraid of him now. So I'm <laughs> oh, thinking boy. I'm gonna let him have Oregon State. Okay, all right. Well, I, I suppose that's not a, a bad move on your part. But uh, our picks of the week are coming up at 5:45. We'll see who we do end up picking in uh, all of that coming up later on in the show. It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Well, uh, the Michigan thing, there's going to be more and more info coming out about this, but it seems that for now it's sort of resolved. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is going to serve the suspension that he got, which is kind of a suspension, but not really. And then uh, they fired their linebacker coach. Uh, what's his name? Chris Partridge uh, apparently ha- was not cooperating well with the NCAA investigation. He was apparently trying to destroy some evidence, which maybe makes you think that <laughs> As one does. he was probably part of uh, the the nitty gritty of this scandal. So, you know, come on. These are all just fall guys. Are they? They're all fall guys for Harbaugh. Is Car yeah, Stallions a fall guy all of a sudden? Connor Stallions, I can't decide if Connor Stallions did this all of his own, like really just wanted to rise through the ranks, or if somebody else was like, Connor Stallions, this is what you need to do. And yeah. I, like, I don't know. I guess we may never know, but because that linebacker coach was destroying all the evidence. <laughs> but the fact that there was evidence to destroy tells me that it goes higher it up than probably... just Connor Stallions. He was not. He was not doing this because he thought it would be the way to advance his career. He had people that were helping to coordinate. It sure seems that way, and so that's what uh, I think. Anyway, yeah. So we'll we'll see if anything else comes of it. But the Big Ten seems to be done investigating, unless anything else comes out. NCAA is still in there, but we know the NCAA investigated. They're just like, did you do anything? Uh, no. Yeah, I can't. I <laughs> okay. can't even put mental energy into that. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Hey, come on. That's under the bus. We all know how that NCAA investigation is going to go, and uh, under the bus of the Bengals also. Uh, Apparently, they're being investigated by the NFL. They should be. For, they should be investigated. Yeah, for potentially withholding uh, Joe Burrow's injury. He clearly got uh, what we would think is more hurt last night from the wrist. And now we learn today that he's out for the season because of the wrist. I and hate everything. This is, yeah. Something's got to be done about this. I mean, there's there's been levels to it. Like, all of a sudden, something pops up. I get it. But... This didn't seem to be something that popped. I don't think so. No. No, I don't think so at all. And then you saw him on the sideline, and he couldn't throw. He, like, dropped to his knees because he realized he was toast. And, like, it sucks for Joe Burrow. That's the main thing. But, yeah, when you have this industry that you have, and you have protocols for when you're supposed to report that kind of stuff, just do it. It's not that hard. Yeah, err on the side of transparency. Like, that's the age that we live in now, and we just... NFL teams have to adjust somehow. I think they will, but clearly not everybody has. And so for now it's... Under the bus. And honestly, uh, again, another one of these big-time quarterbacks uh, goes down with injury. 
Another one. It's been brutal. And Mark Andrews is gone too from last yeah. time. So I Gosh. I hated everything yeah. about that game. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. They have the perfect gifts for your employees and customers this holiday season, anniversary, birthday, any day. Visit the Candy Factory on Cherry Street in downtown Columbia or go online to thecandyfactoryonline.com. They announced it today. It is the fifth consecutive sellout at Faro Field for Mizzou's final football home game of the season against Florida, and deservedly so. This has been such an incredible ride for how they've... They started by buying in without seeing the results yet against Kansas State. They sold out that building for that game. And then once this team started providing the results, you see what can happen. You can reap the rewards afterwards. Fifth straight sellout for Mizzou in football is absolutely something to be proud of. It's something to be proud of. And if you are someone in possession of those tickets, go to the game. That's the next step because you got to make this environment – because, look, I'm I'm no dummy. I can see ticket prices and stuff. They're a little lower than they were actually last week, which, again, ranked matchup against Tennessee. That's probably to be expected. But this is senior night. These guys definitely deserve uh, your attention. They deserve you to be in the building. So if you got tickets, make sure they go to good use. And let's pack that building, man. Let's, let's honor Cody Schrader. Let's honor these seniors for the contributions that they have brought to the table. Um, it, it should be a fun environment, Andy. Finally getting a night game, too. Oh, at Faro yeah. in conference, so uh, let you know. Let's have some fun with this one. That's that's a big deal too to get that for the final home game. And sure, it's going to be cold. Just bring a jacket. That's a, that's that's how you fix that problem. Come on, bring a jacket. Bring a he jacket. says. Bring not, to not, say I, from the I, I make sure not to the press box. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I'm just saying I I wanted to stop myself short of the Brian Kelly comments of trying to make it into a joke. But, oh, bring you know. your Columbia jacket. No, I wasn't. We'll no, I did not want to do that. Um, the biggest shame of Mizzou <laughs> not winning that LSU game was that we didn't get to make fun Man! of that more in the aftermath because we would have just, oh, we would have had a We would have been right back to, I'm here with my family. That would have been the whole week. That would have been all 10 hours of the big show that week, just replaying that. But... Sometimes the football season, you, you take what you can get. But, hey, it's been fruitful so far for Mizzou football. Can it continue? Who you got? Mizzou and Florida meeting up on the football field tomorrow night. Give us your thoughts at 875-KTGR. Producer Chris's moment of the week at 525 and then our picks of the week at 545 here on The Big Show.